We all wanna be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Right. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and coach, Brittany King, and I couldn't hit record fast enough. I have a very, very, very special guest with me on the show today. And even as we started going in, we were just chatting. I was like, we need to just hit record because I know just magical things are going to come out of our mouth and I want to make sure that we capture it. But welcome to the show, Jill Peterson. How are you, my friend? Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm if people could see me, maybe they will. My smile is from ear to ear. I I just adore you. I'm so grateful to be a part of this podcast. You rock. I am stoked. So thanks for having me. Of course. I'm just so happy that you're here. Jill is part of Girl Mentorship. So Mary had a really cool opportunity come up. So she was not able to join us on this interview, but we're thinking of you, Mary. And I know Jill will be representing for both of you. But this is just so exciting. I'm excited for you to share, you know, your background and girl mentorship, but I really want to share our origin story because it's really- Take us back. I'm taking us back. (laughs) And I'm going to go- very cool. Way back because back in the day, I was a little gym rat when I was in, I don't even know how old I was, but I was taking, I think at the time it was your boyfriend, Matt's class. It was my boyfriend, Your which boyfriend. is wild to even think about that. We've been together for so long. I, I was taking those classes. And in my natural fashion, I had a crush on Matt because that's just, you know, you go to the gym you're like, oh my God. And then I met Jill in one of the classes and I was like, oh my gosh, Jill is just so amazing. And then fast forward, I don't even know how many years it was, but fast forward to Lululemon days, I get an opportunity to apply at Lululemon and who interviews me? Jill Peterson. Ah, the one, the only. The one. Wild. So Brit, I know. I mean, the fact that we have been in each other's lives in so many seasons has been beautiful because I've seen you grow up in so many different facets. It's like you were a young adult and then you became this awesome leader and then you started a family. I just like the, the whole ideation of us growing together has been something that has been so special. And whether we talk all the time or through each other's DMs, truly, it's been so fun to do it together. Yeah. It really, I mean, it just gives me the chills to think about that you get taking a chance on me at Lululemon changed the trajectory of my life. Like you were like one of the main reasons that I fell in love with personal development because of your leadership and how you would lead our team. And, you know, those days at Lulu were just so magical. They were so special. special. You didn't know how special they were until you're out of it, but without your leadership and helping me figure out my vision and my goals and my values, I was now able to take what I learned and then apply that in my life, which has trickled into creating a business. So like your influence of me at that time when I was so lost, I had no idea. I was like, I didn't, wasn't even thinking about what, what was going on the next day, but you 
seeing something in me, bringing me on board and then developing, developing me into a leader has helped me transform my life, but also so many of the lives that I get to people that I get to interact with every day. So that's just crazy. To oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, is my, my heart, my heart is literally beating out of my chest. That is so kind of you. And I didn't know what I was doing back then. So the, the, like, I really want to paint the picture around, like, as much as we admire and inspire certain people, it's incredible to know that they're just like you, like, you know, in the magazines where it's like celebrities, they're just like us. Um, <laughs> as much as we look to people, it's like, man, I was trying to figure out my stuff as well, but I think our, what we were committed to and what our values were, was like, we're we're in it, baby. This work is awesome and important. And we're, like, we're, we're going to figure it out whether we stay and sell stretchy pants or one day. Um, cause I know you both, we, we both had that little like whisper that was like, Hey, um, this is really special. And I think you're made for more. <laughs> Why don't you go pursue something bigger and better because, um, another opportunity is right here about to present itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And I think that is why we've always stayed connected is because we both understood the assignment of the whisper. You know, we go oh. about it in our own way, but truly, I mean, without, with, I know for me, without that foundation of Lulu, I wouldn't have been able to go out and spread my wings and follow that whisper. And you just had such a huge part in that. And I, I'd love to speak on that. You know, you were trying to figure it out too. That's why when people, when you're listening to this, you don't have to have everything in your life figured out to inspire someone. You only truly Amen. have to be one step ahead of where that person wants to be to help show them what's possible. And you were that for me. I mean, in my mind, you had it all figured out. <laughs> I was like, she <laughs> got it together. And it was You're very sweet. So it was just so inspiring for me. And it just had such a big impact on my growth. And so that is why you're on the show, on the show today. So I can just gush and tell you- <laughs> What an impact you've had on my life. And it's just so, when you really pause to think it's been 11 years, 11 mm-hmm. years, I can really That's say that wild. confidently because my first day was when my niece was born. And I remember in training, I was like, Hey, I know that I'm, I'm supposed to be training, but my sister is pregnant and could have a baby any day. So it's been 11 years. Cause that's when I started it was on Halloween. Um, 11 How cool is that? Crazy. That is so, that is so special. And I just really want to. I love what you said around um, not needing to have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that can stop people. And I know that stopped me before, but being around women who are, um, and not just women, men as well, but really I find value in being surrounded by strong, confident women when we can really be vulnerable and open up about our insecurities and our struggles and our and our, our successes. Um, I think it allows us and gives us permission to really say, you know what, I don't need to know the next five steps, but as long as I know what the next step is, I'm going to step. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just leaving people better than how you found them. So whatever that means to you, or if you can see yourself in that statement, that's easy to do. You don't need to go and be the next big entrepreneur mm-hmm. if that overwhelms you right now. But if you go and order something at Starbucks and you smile at that person mm-hmm. and you ask them how their day is, it's it's those little teeny tiny micro 
moments that make a massive impact that like we want to be a part of that ripple effect. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And I, I love, I love just that simplicity of making an impact, how it is as simple as saying hi to the barista and checking in how their day is instead of looking down at your phone and just, you know, going through the motions of ordering your beverage. It's so fascinating too, because I think, you know, with this topic of self-confidence and how we develop it, it's like, to me, that is self-confidence is being able to have conversations and see people and meet them where they're at and not make it mean anything about yourself. Like, I think just like being in that space of having those connections is where self-confidence comes from being so comfortable in your skin that you can do those things that make a huge impact. So I'm just so excited to have this conversation. I want you to share a little bit. I mean, what you're doing in the world is so important. You know, before we hit record, I was just saying, I wish that I had something like this growing up. And I know that that's usually why we create things. We create things because we wish that we had it at certain points in our life. So why don't you give a little background on girls mentorship, what it is, where it came from, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Oh, let's go, baby. Okay, here we go. Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> um, so I, like Britt said, I have, um, I mean, I've been in this work and I say work, personal growth and development ever since I started at Lululemon. So I started back in 2011, I think, or even before that it could have been 2010, somewhere around there. Um, and that was really my, my introduction around vision and goals and values and personal responsibility. Like I was so good at blaming other people for my problems <laughs> that finally, when I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh my gosh, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Um, but I had a community of people to really support me in, in cleaning up my messes and, and for forgiving people and mending relationships most importantly with myself, I was so hard on myself and, um, I self-sabotaged a lot. So what Lululemon did was give me one gigantic big hug for almost 10 years and loved me through highs and lows and failures and successes. And through that, I got the incredible privilege and opportunity to develop people. So my team really became a family and what I learned, I wanted to immediately turn it around and teach my team. So that was really where I garnered these skills to say, man, if I'm feeling awesome and I'm seeing transformation happen in my own life and granted it takes time and it takes work. I wish it happened overnight, kind of like Amazon, <laughs> um, newsflash, it doesn't, um, so I was able to, I looked at if people were having awesome results and breakthroughs, I kept thinking to myself, who else in the world is doing this for our youth? Like, yes, there is awesome organizations like the Girl Scouts and Girls on the Run. Um, but I just was starting to like kind of plant seeds. Though That was like my first little whisper was like, wouldn't this be cool if work like this happened for me when I was 11, 12, 13, 14? And it, I just kind of tucked it away on a shelf for a while. And then finally, it got louder and louder and louder. louder. And in 2018, I left. I finally said, okay, 
I have no idea what I'm doing next. I know I'm made for more and I'm going to just give my time or give myself some time and space to really figure it out. So in 2018, I left Lululemon and I was on the hunt for what was next for me. And I was a new mom at that time. So I was so grateful to have a foundation of skills and tools and, and strategies to support me through, I mean, becoming a new mom, that was really, really challenging for me. So I was like, you know what? I think I can go lead some stuff for moms. So I went and found an awesome mom and baby studio. And for um, a few months, I really got to like love on mamas and help them through their motherhood journey. And through me putting myself out there and teaching them these things, they came back to me and they said, wouldn't this be great if you did this for my daughter? And I was like, whoa, I've said this before. And the fact that it's coming up again is making me question, should I say yes to maybe an opportunity? So I, immediately I said no, because I was a terrible teenager growing up. And I was like, God forbid, if I work for girls who were me, I'm probably going to hate it. Um, but it happened. It kept coming up. So I finally said, yes, I'm going to, uh, sure, I'll go into your daughter's dance studio and I'll have a conversation about vision and goals for them or with them. And what I learned in that quick 90 minutes was how incredibly capable and smart these young girls were. They were hungry. They were asking great questions. They were writing down things. They were asking me all the things. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I needed to leave Lululemon to find moms, to allow moms to kind of guide me into this direction of girls. So then COVID happened. Um, you know, everything shut down in 2020. And I still had moms reaching out to me asking if I was doing anything for girls. And at the time, I was raising my preschooler and homeschooling my kindergarten, uh, my kindergartner during online learning. And I was like, I have no freaking time or space to like lead a call series. But of course, um, I was like, why? Like, why not? I can hop on in the comfort of my own house, lead a call for girls. And um, I immediately thought about um, somebody that I wanted to lead the call with. And that was Mary. That's where Mary enters the, the picture. So I call her up. I was like, what are you doing, girl? It's 2020. You want to come over and, you know, lead this call series with me? And um, she immediately was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything clearly. And I would love to. So one week turned into four weeks. And after those four weeks, we immediately looked at each other and we were like, we have something here. Um, so that's really the, the, the birth story of girls mentorship ship, a long winded version, but it really paints the picture of how everything really ties together in signs and, and I call them God wings, like just putting people in the right places. And if you are open to possibility and stepping into fear, because man, I was like, who the heck am I to lead girls? Who the heck am I to lead moms? But it's being okay to say, you know what? It is me and I'll learn regardless. So that's how Girls Mentorship was born, was in the kitchen of my house in 2020. And we've been on a rocket ship ever since. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love birthing stories and specifically business birthing stories. That is magical. It's just, you know, COVID was such an uncertain and scary time and being able to find the opportunity in that uncertainty just sets you up for massive success 
because if you can find that in, in during that time, it's like, what else can you create? And it's Amen. Yes. so beautiful. I don't think I knew, I don't think I knew that whole backstory and how Mary entered the picture and what you created and how <laughs> you just kept getting back on that path. Was, I had this <laughs> idea. I was like, we're going to do it this way. Um, okay. This is so great because girl mentorship is helping teenage girls be their best, right? Like their brightest, most confident self, which is so important because that's where so many of our beliefs have either already started or start to form. And then that carries into adulthood. And so we learn during those years, we don't trust ourselves. We have a hard time making decisions. We kind of, we look to other people to validate. It all starts there. So the fact that you get to get in at the ground level and work with these girls to help them develop the most important skills of their life is incredible. It is so important. Cause I know, I mean, my my own journey, I'm like, I, that time was so confusing. So upside down. I can't even imagine it now in the modern world with social media and everything that we have access to, you know, we were growing up, we didn't have access to to half as what half as much stuff as girls have access to now. And it is a positive thing to an extent, but also every positive has a negative. And I'm sure it's been so interesting. So I definitely want to touch on that, but let's just start then with self-confidence. When you are working with teenage girls and they are not feeling confident, how do you, how do you approach it? How do you start that conversation? Honestly, um, what it's wild because I, I want to, I want to go back to what you said around um, like uh, us being grown women, what, what we are still struggling with as grown women is exactly what tweens and teens are struggling with. It's just, there's just an age difference. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to think about, okay, um, I still struggle in relationships and I still struggle using my voice and being direct with people and, and asking for what I need. And, um, if, if we just take it back to how do we speak how do we not, we don't need to speak at them, but how do we also say like, Hey, what's going on? Cause most importantly, self-confidence is all about self-trust. So what in your life aren't you trusting? Are you not trusting yourself? Is it a negative, is it negative self-talk, whatever that is. But at the, at the end of the day, we want them to know that Mary and I, our community, when you come and work with us, it needs to be a non a non-judgmental space. Girls need to be able to say, these are my feelings. And whether I, as a 36-year-old woman, might look at her experience as like, oh girl, you know, that boy breaking up with you is probably the best thing for you. Like for her though, that like is monumental in her life. Mm-hmm. It's probably the first breakup or one of the biggest thing that she's having to overcome. So um, it's, it's empathizing with these kiddos to say like, okay, how do we just empathize with you to say, man, I see you. And that really is hard as opposed to jumping into fix because we want to fix. How do we ask questions mm-hmm. so that they can really uncover and, you know, unpack the layer by themselves to build the belief 
So that next time when a relationship happens, she has the skills that builds her confidence to say what she needs or to break up with that boy or, or friendship, whatever that is. But I will say self-confidence is all about self-trust and it goes hand in hand with empathy. Mm, I love, I love that. And I, it's like, do you think that, you know, as the age difference, right? It's like what we struggle with as, as adults that they struggle with as, as teenagers, do you think the reason why we struggle with it as adults is because we never learned the skills to address it when we were teenagers? 1000%. Yes. Um, what, and what's wild because Mary and I also we're like, cool, we're only going to be working with girls. We're going to just pump them full of goodness and empower them and send them into the world. And what we realized if we don't also teach their parents, it's basically undoing everything that we taught the girl. Mm -hmm. And we like to relate it to the gym. Like if you go and put in work for an hour and you're killing yourself every day for that hour, but the rest of the day you're eating like crap, you're drinking, um, unhealthy things. You're not getting good sleep. It's basically you're undoing your work. So what we realized was if we're teaching the girls, the skills and the tools, we need to support the parents in having similar language so parents can start practicing it because we are the mirrors to our children. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's so, so true. And I think, I mean, one of the things that I was, I don't remember who I was talking about this with, but in terms of self-trust, you know, we grow up look, when babies are born and I'm just so in the thick of it. Maybe I was talking to Brian, probably who I was having this conversation <laughs> So we're looking at Ellie and she just knows herself. She knows when she's hungry. She knows when she's tired. She knows what she likes to play with. She knows what she doesn't like to play with. We are born with self-trust. We just know. Right. But then we enter school and then we have friends and we have teachers. Then we're looking outward to tell us what we need to do. And it's inherent in us though. We just are born with this ability to know what we, what we like, what we don't like the decisions that we make. Um, But then I think this is where it gets tricky is once we, you know, we turn 18 and we're technically an adult, technically. I know. uh, Plus our hearts. Plus our (laughs) hearts. Um, We don't have decision. We don't trust ourselves to make decisions because we've looked for the past, however many years, I mean, 15 years, we've looked outside of ourselves to make decisions. So how do you teach teenage girls to make decisions and trust themselves? Oh, that is such a good question. And I love that you set it up that way because you're right. We're like, hi, um, now I'm an adult and um, I've had to raise my hand for the last however many years to go to the bathroom. And like, do I still need to do that? Mm -hmm. Does someone need to give me permission to take care of what I need? Mm -hmm. So autonomy is big. We talk about autonomy a lot from the young age of seven. Like sometimes our little peanuts that come in, we're like, empower you. Do you want to take off your shoes? Like what feels good for you? Like, listen to what you need because the world is going to tell you how to show up. And it's your job to tell the world how you want to be perceived. So it's teaching them all of those skills around, okay, most importantly, I mean, the, the, the best thing that we teach our girls is how to be your own best friend. 
Because if you want to be best friends and cultivate friendships, because that's all tweens and teens want. They just want friendship. They want quality friends. And it's really hard for them because they're so lonely because of screens. So Mm. when we can teach girls, okay, if you if you're not putting yourself as a priority, like if you're prioritizing your best friend and your dog and whomever, um, we need to, we need to rework those priorities and you need to start like noticing how you speak to yourself, um, how you look at yourself, how you show up in a room, like all of those things are important so that it builds your self-confidence, your self-esteem, your self-awareness so that you then can go and be everything to everyone. But most importantly, girls by far and away at such a young age, don't even know how to do that. So what are your, what are your values? What makes you happy? What brings you joy? Like those are the conversations that we need to be having with our girls, but we don't and no shame on like, that's no dig on parents or teachers Mm -hmm. or anything. It's just, um, if girls don't stand for something, they're going to fall for anything. So they just need to know this is important to me. And I'm going to like stand really strong in this because this matters to me. And then I'm going to like bring in the people that also value what I value as well. Hmm. I just love that so much because this, you know, the values work is something that we both learned at Lululemon and we've brought into our own worlds. And it's always so fascinating because working with adult women, whenever I do that, they're like, I don't even know what I value. They're so out of touch with it. So to be able to instill that at such a young age when when their brains are the most malleable and can absorb okay. it, it's just, it's, mad, it's such a gift that you're giving them, such a gift. So, okay. Well, so- and they, they're, oh, sorry. I oh, was no, just going to chime in. I was just going to chime in to say, when we can put language to our teachings, it, opens up a whole new world for children. And I'll give you an example. So when we, um, like parents as parents, I'm a parent myself. And sometimes I just kind of assume like my kids know how to do things. Like, you now know um, to look both ways when we cross the street. But then I'm like, at what age should I teach them that? And like, what other things have I just kind of like, I have these unspoken expectations. Mm-hmm. I have, these, I have and, and an example of this is like, um, when my kids go to a restaurant, I'm like, I just kind of expect you to know how to behave. But if I don't tell them, Hey, we're going into a restaurant, we use our inside voices. Like it's literally teaching them how I want them to show up. That is me gifting and teaching them how to be in places, but sometimes we just kind of like expect that our kids just know, Mm -hmm. but they don't know. And they're craving that knowing. So giving them that is the greatest gift we can give them Mm -hmm. because again, then they're going to seek it from other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's where the external validation comes from. Totally. So yeah. As parents, and I love that you brought this up because we have so much unconscious bias. We have so much conditioning that it can be really triggering or uncomfortable when you know you're you enroll your your daughter in a program, right? And then you turn to the parents and you're like, okay, how are you fostering these conversations? Because 
the way that a child thinks or behaves is a reflection of whatever they're experiencing, right? So how do you approach that? Because I can imagine that is a delicate type of conversation, but a very, 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 very important one because we've just been handed down things from generation to generation. And I believe that our generation of modern moms that are raising the next generation, like we're breaking that cycle and it's really uncomfortable. So how do you approach that? Yes. So good. It's so uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, We have gotten much better getting comfortable with it because um, we don't make it about us. It's, it really is like the collective it's, it's keeping their daughter's well-being in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just saying like, you are doing such a great job. The fact that you reached out to put your daughter in a workshop, a program or summer camps or whatever it is, that means you care. Like, whoa, let's acknowledge that at first. And we need you to know that this whole um, mental health battle that our youth is struggling with needs to be in tandem with their parents. So a lot of times parents really are open to the conversation of, hey, this is what we taught. This is how we taught it. This is how you can apply it at home. Mm. They're so receptive. Wow. Oh my gosh. I never even learned that. Or what a good reminder because I've been so out of practice. Mm -hmm. So our job isn't to go in and say, you're doing it wrong or it's you. Um, It's just like a, hey, this is going to go further faster if you do it as well. Like you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta put your oxygen mask on first before you do it to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And parents are so receptive because you're right, Britt. It's people want to break like how they were raised around shoving down your feelings. And then, you know, you, you wake up, you're 25, you're unhappy, you're overweight. You're like, oh my gosh, like what? I, I, I thought at this point I'd be happy in my life. No one taught you how to do those things. So it's been really fun to see how receptive parents are around the personal growth and development conversation too. Mm, I love that. I'm just so excited because I do think this is such a paradigm shift and our children that are ha- that are being raised by emotionally aware, receptive parents and being able to have conversations about your feelings is just amazing. It just gets it's me so, so great. It's so great. It's hard. It's freaking hard work, but it is so amazing. And I just feel so grateful that I get to give that gift to Ellie of not to protect her from the bad in the world, because that's literally impossible, but to teach her how to right. be an emotionally resilient human being. I mean, that's the best gift that you could possibly give, right? And like allowing her to have her own experience and not try to control it is such hard work, but it's just so, it's so necessary because I'm, I'm learning, you know, I've gotten to the point in motherhood where I have kept a human alive. I'm like, yes, I've I'm so proud alive. of you. Thank you. But it's funny because people are like, you're the best mom. I'm like, all right, thank you. We're all great moms, but I just want to acknowledge that I haven't done any parenting yet. I have kept a human alive, which in its own right is hard freaking work. I've kept a human alive and I've taken care of myself, my family. So that's right. So amazing. But like the parenting, I'm like, okay, God, buckle up because I don't think there's any greater, deeper personal development work or spiritual work than parenting. And I'm learning totally agree that parenting is not about the child. It's about parenting yourself. 
And that is what, like, it has been so fascinating as Ellie has opinion, like she has, it has feelings and her opinions. And you can just tell, even though it's not verbal yet, it is so clear and she understands everything. And it's so fun. I'm like, it's just, I am obsessed. It's just fun watching her have her experience. And I witnessed her go from frustrated to happy because she doesn't interfere there's no, there's no stopping or resisting because she's just conscious in the moment. I see her feel frustrated and I'm like, yeah, that's frustrating. And within 90 seconds, it's gone. And she's like, happy again. Like this is like uh -huh. real time. It is so I, incredible. I love that. And I mean, how beautiful to like not step in to allow her to have those experiences. Because I will say though, too, we live in the generation of helicopter moms and dads. And it's like, you know, sometimes the pendulum needs to kind of come back into the, the middle to, yeah. to say like, let your kids feel it's so healthy. It is so, so healthy. So I yeah. love that you get to see that in her. I do. And, but I, you can feel it in you of like wanting to fix it. And oh, you totally, you're triggered. You're like, okay. Yes. Like, how do I make this better? And so it's that checking in with yourself that, you know, if it wasn't for this work, I would a hundred percent default to that automatic. Oh, it's okay. Don't cry when you cry, Like you can feel it inside of you. And I used to think I was, something was wrong with me when I wasn't happy because everyone labeled me as happy. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to repeat that pattern in my daughter. So it's just, it's just so fascinating. So it's just, there's so many, like an onion. There are so many layers to it, but what you and Mary are doing is getting to the root of it, which is incredible. Like we were saying before we hit record, you know, they go through this experience and then they end up working with me as adults, which I'm like, I don't want them to work <laughs> with me to like build their self-confidence. I want them to come to me with confidence and want to get to the next level of their life. I want them to already have that. Yes. Help them like create amazing shit in the world because I believe, I mean, women are creators at our core, whether you want to have children or not, we are designed damn straight. We are literally designed to create in this world. And so when we get out of our own way and we stop, we stop listening to the negative voice in our head and we give in to the, the self-doubt, we create incredible things. But, you know, women have been put in this box for so long and are, you know, it's, we're slowly breaking out of it. But I think what you're doing is like getting to it at such a root level. So when they get to be adults, it's like, there is right? a shift in our world. I know it's been groundbreaking. One of our favorite things to do with girls is to like celebrate failure. It's like <laughs> girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, no one likes to fail, but how do we feel forward? How do we feel together? How do we, mm -hmm. how do we change the narrative? Because that's why women stay small because we want to be perfect. And it's like, oh my gosh, messy action is beautiful. So talking about failure and rebounding and pulling yourself back up and borrowing other girls' beliefs. Because trust me, of course, we want every single little girl to be confident. And if they don't feel it right then and there, that's okay. Borrow someone else. Borrow mine. It's like, yeah, I believe in you. And sometimes that's all you need is one trusted adult to like, just say, man, she, she said something to me that really resonated with me 
in order for me to keep going. That's all it is. So mm-hmm. failure, all of those big conversations that we kind of like were afraid of until we really leaned in, like you said, is, is it's the coolest part of what we do seeing these girls come back and they're like, it's okay. I'm still standing. And we're like, you are. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And I've talked about that with Brian. I was like, we're going to celebrate failures at our table. We're like, how did you fail today? We're going to get so focused on that because I see it all the time with my clients. They don't go after with what they want because they are so afraid of failing. And so once you change your relationship with failure, you realize that there's nothing you can't do. Yeah. You're going to feel some really uncomfortable emotions, but there's nothing you can't handle with the correct skills, right? It's a skill set. And I, I, when I'm before I work with the client, I let them know, I'm like, you're, you're not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. You haven't developed the skills to process the difficult emotions. We've been taught something so different that if we, if we fail, right. we're going to be held back. And it's the worst thing that could ever happen. When in reality, it's the best thing that could happen to you because you've learned the skill of bouncing back and emotional resilience. So it's just, I love talking to you about this because there's just so much parallel. You're doing it for teenagers and I'm doing it for adults, but it's, it's the same exact, the same. It's wild. It really is wild. Beautiful. It is so beautiful. And I just, you know, what you, what your soul's mission is, is just so powerful. So, okay. I want to touch on a couple things that I'm terrified about with having a girl, um, a daughter who's going to be a teenager in our modern world. The first thing that comes up for me is the bullying and also social media. And I know that they can be separate things, but I also feel like they can be the same thing. I just feel like the trolls that are out there on the internet, like I get trolls in, in my world and I'm like, ow, that hurts for a minute, but I know how to bounce back. Right. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it, but those are two things that I, ha- that I definitely have fear around of navigating as a mom. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go in first thing. Oh. There's, there's a distinction between bullying and tattling and our kiddos, mine included love to throw the word around bully. Like, Oh, I got bullied today, or this person's bullying me. And I think this is where, again, language really plays a part in teaching your child. Bullying is a repeated offense when it happens time and time again with the same person. And if you've taken action, telling an adult, nothing happens, that's bullying. If someone shoves you in the hallway one time, that's not bullying. That's conflict. Mm -hmm. And what happens between bullying and healthy conflict is that we kind of tie them together. So then what we do, we've taught our kiddos, which is not a bad thing. So I just want to make an asterisk there. We teach our kids to go get an adult and then the adult solves the problem. So what we need to undo here is figure out, is the problem really someone being bullied or is it is it just conflict? Do we need to empower our kiddo to stand up for themselves, to use their voice? Here's a strategy. This is what I would say if I got bullied. And the next time it happens to you, because it's not an if, it's a when, this is what it can sound like. So it's like prompting them, giving, because again, it's that unspoken expectation. Like we just kind of assume that our kid knows like what to do and say, they need guidance. So 
that's been one of the biggest things that we've seen is we have girls come in saying that they've been bullied, but really they just don't know how to handle conflict Mm. and not trying again. There has been girls that have been bullied and it's terrible. It's awful. And that's where you get, you know, your army of support to, to, to guide you through that. But, um, I just wanted to call that out there because a lot of times it's, it's misspoke. It's, uh, we're just, we're confusing the two bullying versus conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece of cyberbullying and being online parents, if you're listening to this, or if you're about to raise a female, or even I have two boys and I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here. If you can wait to give your child social media until eighth grade, you're doing them a huge service. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to come to you and say, well, I feel left out. Like everybody is doing this. And, um, Mary and I always say, you know what? Yeah, totally. They're, they're going to feel left out but I would rather have them feel left out of them comparing themselves to somebody else online. I'd rather have them be left out of them feeling like they're not enough. Like I, I'd rather have them feel left out of all of those negative, icky, limiting beliefs, self-doubt, all of the things that really cultivate in our minds when we're on social media. I would much rather have my kids stay away from that until I give them the skills to really handle that because we're handing our kids these phones and we're like, okay, well, good luck. We need to teach them how to use it. So if we can delay having those type of interactions online for as far, like if we can just stick it out, parents, I know we're going to start a whole new movement of parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to, it's literally going to save your child's mental health. Mm -hmm. And if they are online, just like your kid's phone is your phone. So again, I'm going to continue to like beat a dead horse around you setting the expectation, help your kid know how to navigate and what they're going to see, because it's not an if, like I said, it's a when, when they see these things, when somebody trolls them, when someone's unkind, they go back to who they are. And then it's like, well, are you that, are you that person that they're telling you that they are? No. Okay. Again, we're practicing those resilient skills. Does it hurt? Heck yeah. Ow. But if we give them the space, if we give them the skills to be able to bounce back, man, they're going to know, you know what? This person is not my homie and they're not my best friend. I am going to move on to the next. And maybe if it is that bullying that's happening again and again and again, you bring in a parent to support you in figuring out how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's like, these are modern times that it, I think that this is the biggest obstacle to navigate as a yeah. parent. I mean, I'm not there yet, but I can imagine because the other things I can see how to navigate that, but with social media and cell phones and just technology in general, there is, it seems like it, it kind of feels like cigarettes, right? Like when cigarettes came to the scene, everyone's like, these are so great. And they didn't, they had no evidence <laughs> of the health implications. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, these things cause cancer. That's how I feel about cell phones and social media. It's like, it came to the scene. We're like, this is amazing. And it hasn't been around long enough to actually really have an understanding of the implication of it. Um, and it's tricky because yeah, we are the example 
of it. And I catch myself, even when I'm around Ellie, if I'm on my phone, I'm asking myself why. And I just, and I mean, I'm nowhere perfect with it because sometimes I'm like, oh, I just got to do this or message this person. But it just makes me more intentional because she's, even though she will not have a phone for a very long time, she is absorbing the messages of it, of just watching me. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, we had the phones out the second our kiddos came out of the birth canal. It was like, did right. we get the, did we get it on film? Yeah. And oh my gosh. And photo after photo after photo. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, putting our kids online and all, all of that, like they're growing up in a digital world and by no means am I saying like, don't give your kid a phone, mm-hmm. just do it. There's incredible resources out there that can really handhold, like walk alongside you to help you through every developmental stage that you're at. Um, but most importantly that that social media piece, I'm like, Ooh, it is, it's, it's more harm than good. And at the end of the day, as a parent, all you want is the best for your kid. And I honestly, I'm not looking to be my kid's friend. My kid can be my friend when I send him off into the world and know that I developed him into a man or, and a good person, Mm -hmm. then he can come back and be like, mom, you know what? Thanks for being really like strong in me not being on this because what I learned, you know, I'm waiting for that, but we also are like, so friends with our kids. And sometimes you got to draw the line in the sand to be like, no, I'm mom or I'm dad. And I'm sticking to my guns here because I know what's best for you. My brain is fully developed, Mm -hmm. not yours. Mm -hmm. So it's my job to make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the types of decisions that like, it just doesn't make like to them, they don't understand it. It's there's right. It's there's no, uh, they don't understand what the, the consequences are of. Right. And I mean, I see it all the time. Again, the parallel with my clients, you know, when they come to me and they're like, yeah, I get stuck into this loop of comparison. I think that I'm supposed to be further along in my life. And then I feel terrible or I see other people doing really cool things. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And it is very detrimental to our mental health being in right. that space. So it yeah. is interesting to to think about that with teenage girls and how you navigate it. But I think, you know, my biggest takeaway from that is, you know, finding the resources to walk alongside you when you don't know how to navigate it. Like it just goes back right. to the idea that you don't have to go through it alone it is something that community, community, community. community. Yes. And asking for that help and being like, you know what? I don't know how to navigate this. Let me talk to someone that has done it. Or how do we, you know, how, how can you walk alongside me as I figure this out? But I, I'm hopeful. I'm like, maybe by the time Ellie is older, the pendulum swings back this way and there's more regulations on it. There might be a certain limit or something, you know, age restriction or something of that. I'm praying. Um, yeah. And the more that we know, I think as parents, you know, I'm like, okay, if we can all band together to be like, no, our kids are not getting a social media account until high school. If more of us can be on board with that, our kids don't even care. They're not going right. to feel left out because right. we're all like no in it together. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I agree. It's like, if that's just, if that is that, if that's what you know, then that's what you know. I mean, why can't we just go back to the Facebook days when you had to have a college <laughs> Totally. to be invited. Like, can we just get back to yes. those things? Anyway, Let's I do it. I digress. But Oops. I'm petitioning for that. Um, I have, yeah. 
But okay, I want to talk about self-esteem before we wrap up because I think, you know, my job as Ellie's mom is to help her develop a very strong sense of self and have self-esteem. I did not have self-esteem. I people on the on the outside, people thought that I was super confident and happy and I had all the things and I was really good at pretending, but on the inside there was so much negativity, so much self-loathing, self-hate, all of the things that would surprise people when I would tell them that. Um and then obviously I fell into personal development and that changed my world. So with teenage girls, how do you start that? How do you help them foster their self-esteem and make sure that when things happen, they continue to have their own back no matter what happens? I'm going to go back to the R word that we've been using this whole time. It's resilience mm-hmm. and fear, failure. Um, those are crippling for girls because they, even at a young age, they feel like they're not enough and they're not pretty enough. They're not smart enough. Um, they're not popular enough. They don't have all the things to fit in. Um, not enoughness is running rampant in our young girls and, um, all they're yearning for is to be seen, to be valued, to be heard, to be loved, to be supported. And when they don't get it, they go inwards. And if their if their insides are not matching their outsides, I mean, that's where that's that's where what you mentioned, what you started feeling, um, you know, because like we're good at putting on a mask, but really when you take the mask off, it's like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, but where that starts from is, is when you get an F on a test or when you feel challenged in school, when a friend won't invite you to a birthday party, or if you find out that you were invited to the birthday party and they posted a picture on Instagram and you weren't on it, like all of those, those failures or those fears are real. And if we can teach girls how to cope Mm-hmm. Um, those coping skills are so important around like letting her know that it's okay to be sad and like how disappointing and frustrating and, and you know, I mean, all of the things like that's okay, but how do you teach her to, to see that she's worth so much more? And that's like showing girls why we love being in community with other girls is because they feel like they're the only one. And when they can look to their right and to their left and be like, wait a second, she's feeling that way. Wait a second. She's feeling that way. I'm not alone. And this isn't a bad feeling, but now I'm going to practice whatever type of skills that we're fostering to build resilience, that is going to build your self-confidence. That's building your self-esteem and the belief in yourself that you are worthy and you are enough. So acceptance, I think, um, just to kind of put it a beautiful bow on this conversation is um, accepting who you are, where you are, the things that you have. Like acceptance is hard because we want to be further faster. We want the things that our friends have to the right, to the left. And it's hard because um, if we can just love where we are and the body that we're in, the hair that we have, the voice that we have, because sometimes our voice is too loud, sometimes our voice isn't enough. If we can just learn to love where we are in this season of our life, it's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. It's going to get easier, but it's it's work. It, it's practice. It's knowing that you are not alone 
and that it is going to always get better. But it's teaching the girls the skills how to rebound faster so that she can get back on the path of pursuing the things that she is meant to do. Mm, I love that answer so much. And as you were speaking, it was just so beautiful. It was just making me think, you know, someone that's listening to this episode that doesn't have a teenager, maybe doesn't even want to have kids, but struggles with what we've been talking about, like using the topics that we shared and this, the learn how to develop the skill set to reparent that part of yourself that still struggles with not being enough because yeah. all of this applies, you know, it's our inner child, but specifically our inner teenager that really sometimes is driving the vehicle, our subconscious mind where these beliefs live. And it's just so powerful to, to recognize the parallel. And then if you struggle with any of these things as an adult, that you have the ability now to reparent yourself in the way that we've been talking. You don't need your parent to be on the same page because now you are an adult and you get to have these <laughs> right. conversations with yourself and you can build your self-confidence. You can build your self-esteem and realize that it's not individual to you, but it's universal, which means that you also have the solution to it. So, oh, this is... So good. So good. Yes. Way to mic drop that. <laughs> well, this has been lovely. Where can, where can people find you if they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have a teenage do daughter or a tween and I need these services. Tell me everything. Okay. I, we are pretty active over on Instagram. You'll see all the things live in living color on there. So it's just at girls mentorship. No Y's, no Z's. It's literally spelled the way that it sounds. Mm -hmm. um, and then same on our website, www.girlsmentorship.com. You'll find we host monthly workshops. We do mom and daughter events. And we are about to um, go headfirst into summer camp. So summer camps are, are the thing. Um, and all of that info will be online. Cool. Well, so tell me, tell me a little bit about summer camp before we wrap up. Okay. Summer camp. It is, um, it is, it's, it's going to be, um, all about leadership and confidence. Mm. So if you are looking to develop your daughter, um, or, or have your daughter develop those type of skills to learn how to be empathetic with herself and others, how to respect self and others, how to take personal responsibility for your decisions, your actions, your behaviors, like this is the camp for you. It is not going to be boring. It is going to be fire. We have other incredible women who are going to come in and facilitate. We have awesome activities. It is going to be jam packed and it's, um, we have three weeks, so two in June, one in July, and it's a Monday through Friday, nine to three. So we're going to spend like 30, 20 hours with these girls. I mean, come on now. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. As you were saying that again, I was like, I wish I had this when I was a teenager, <laughs> but you know, I what? mean, we're, we're freaking out. We're like, this is going to be incredible. If we're excited as grown women, these girls are going to have yeah. the time. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. Well, Jill, the work that you're doing is so, so, so important. So thank you for listening to that whisper. And to someone listening, this is the magic of listening to the whisper, my friends. Like, you know, we, we all have heard it there in some sort of way, and it's up to us to follow it and to pursue it. So when you listen to it, it creates amazing things for the world that ultimately makes the world a better place. So 
Thank you for doing that, Jill, and being an example of, of that. You're the best. Seriously, what a time. Thanks for having me. Listeners, thanks for thanks for being in our living rooms with us, too. How fun. I know. I know. So fun. Well, do you have anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? No. Just, I mean, go out and make somebody else's day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. So fun. <laughs>